Forces Sport. This is BFBS, the Forces Station. Forces Station. Hello, happy Monday, and welcome to Forces Sport with me, Kath Brazier, and over there, Julian Evans. Have you had a good week, Jules? It's been a very good week. Any highlights? Always highlights. You'd like me to expand, wouldn't you? Well, I don't want you to be monosyllabic on a talk show, no. No, that would rather undermine what we're trying to achieve. <laughs> but I don't want you to wax lyrical either, so... It's trying to strike a balance, isn't it? I know. It's, it's impossible. Difficult. Well, I'll tell you what, shall I give you a few Forces Sport inside knowledge bits and pieces that we've managed Let's to gather? Let's do that. Coming up for you, we have a superb chat with GB Olympian Liam Samford, an RAF player, England and Great Britain hockey player. He talks about the pain of losing and what it's been like adjusting back to normal life. So let's hear a short snippet of that very honest conversation right now. And then, yeah, coming back into work, a um, bit of a shock to the system. Um, obviously, having to iron again for the first time in five years, that was a bit weird. Um, Getting up at five thirty, that was that was quite tough as well. Not really used to that, but all in all, it's been good. Like the guys over in Ops have been really welcoming, um, really nice bunch of guys and girls. So yeah, happy. I mean, I say honest, but we've been very lucky with our guests so far in that they've been very upfront about the highs and the lows of the sports that they're involved in. It was great to get that insight of what it was like in the Olympic Village, and those people that he saw. You know, the famouses. Not to say that he's not famous, because in hockey terms, he's a bit of a name. But I probably wouldn't have known who he was unless he was wearing that fluorescent tracksuit that he had on that day. Yeah. Well, it's interesting as well that he um, he also says in the interview that he he didn't want to be a kind of a groupie and sort of go up and up and take photographs. And you sort of think, well, maybe you'll regret that in a few years' time. But let's let's hope that olympic more olympics and commonwealth games and other big tournaments are going to come his way elsewhere in the forces world this week the rf ladies football side have continued their fine form with a third consecutive win over Boldermere st michael's at ref cosford georgia carr cat beaver and lucy farrow scored in the 3-1 victory chief technician james bryden is their manager their buy-in of the messages that we're trying to achieve as an organization and as a team Lots of new players, opportunities to play this week as well. Um, and to top that off with what I thought was an outstanding performance and probably the best performance in my two seasons with the squad. Um, and we've just quite comfortably beat a team there that's competing for a top spot in a Tier 4 league. Um, so I, I based when I took over to be competing at Tier 4 level. We've just gone and shown we could probably top Tier 4 level and now I might look to push into sort of Tier 3 before we get to those inter-services. James Bryden's like Blue Army. James Bryden's like Blue Army. Too much too soon? No, I think I think three wins on the bounce is... Um, Building ahead of steam there, absolute, aren't they? Absolutely, and do you know what? Some the, good goals. Did you see the goals? Some I did, goals. I did. Yeah. That's Georgia Carr's first goal, actually, for the RAF team. Oh, she's going to go places. Yeah, Cat Beaver obviously always gets her name on the score sheet in one way or the other. Um, and it's interesting that he was talking about the tier three level of football because a few of our military ladies are playing currently at sort of tier three, tier four level as well. So they're, it's a really good opposition to get when they're when they know that they're pretty much at least sort of a handful of the team are, are up to that challenge. Well, they need to test themselves, don't they? But the Army have lost their key player in Libby Dixon, who was up at Middlesbrough, wasn't she? So yeah. um, she's left the Army now, become a teacher. Oh, interesting. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah. Well, we have had a confirmation of the, 
that UCAF ladies, UK Armed Forces ladies football are going to be playing a Chelsea under under 21 side on November the 11th. It's their remembrance fixture, which they've wanted to hold for the last couple of years. But obviously with COVID and coronavirus, that's been put on hold. But that has now been confirmed and that'll be at Kings Meadow, which is the really good little ground. ground. For those of you that haven't been to Kings Meadow, just sort of in Greater London, but it's a fantastic pitch. Uh, Chelsea bought that, didn't they, from Kingstonian, I think. Was it Kingstonian they bought it from? That would make sense. Something like that. I mean, it's it's a great place to play. Obviously, a great date to have the, the fixture and the first fixture they've had in, in a long time. So. And I wonder if they shall invite some of the pensioners down there. Possibly. Yeah, it's not far from, from the hospital. I think you need to have a chat with uh, Sir Carl Milgate. He's not a sir yet, by the way. I'm just giving well, him am I status. Am I in charge of minibus driving <laughs> for the pensioners? Now, look, Jules, some more RAF sport, this time on wheels. Um, there was an open day held by the RAF for all kinds of motorsport, from karting to enduro racing, plus rally and track cars. Open to all, it's the first time all the elements, including e-sport racing, have joined forces to attract new recruits. One of them being SAC Imogen Pengeli. Just done a little bit of um, very like grassroots autographs, um, track racing, just family run car um, back a couple of years. Um, so yeah, I've definitely got the bug for racing. It's just kind of working out where I want to fit into all of these different um, clubs. I kind of like the idea of the rallying, so I'm going to try and get involved in that in any way that I can, really. Would that have been your cup of tea? Bit of two wheels or four wheels or a bit of esports? No. What's... I'll be honest, no. I'm too sedate. I'm more driving <laughs> Miss Daisy than hurtling around a track. Oh, and I'm currently on two speeding tickets. So I think we're the opposite. Yeah, that, extremes. <laughs> extremes. You've got to have extremes to make the podcast work and make the radio show work, haven't you? Of course. Um, now, in, d- in addition to the ladies' game this week, the RAF men were thrashed 5-0 by Oxford City. And apologies to anyone who was misidentified on Twitter this week. It does get complicated. Um, the inter-services aren't until next March, but it feels like the season is underway and everyone happy to be playing again yeah yeah yet to see what the other two services are up to i know the royal navy have been playing some inter-command competition so a chance for the head coaches to start picking the talented players and bring them together so we'll see what the dark blues have for their season coming up and, and yet to see the army either so you know, it seems like the ref have stolen a march on everybody else tricky place to go oxford city they're a, they're a decent team playing some good uh, non-league football and um, I must just say I know some of the army players have been playing for their teams and at the weekend it was the FA Cup qualifying round so uh, oh. some of our players warming up for the UCAF match which is coming up this week disappointing though for two army players because Hungerford Town lost at the weekend so that's Luke Kearney goalkeeper, the goalkeeper Luke Kearney, yeah. and Keith Emerson as well he'll be disappointed so a chance for them to get back to winning ways on Wednesday against the Irish Defence Force. Yes, our live stream this week is the UK Armed Forces against the Irish Defence Forces and that is at Havant and Waterlooville at 12 noon this coming Wednesday. We'll chat a bit more. Because they won. So that game was supposed to be a later kickoff, wasn't it? But didn't they win? Yes, exactly. So Havant have got their playoff that night mm. um, on Wednesday night. So they've had to move the fixture from 3.30 and to, at 12 noon. But still, it's amazing that they're able to accommodate the UCAF fixture as well. well it's an all-weather pitch though, isn't it, there? Oh, well, that's good So then. you don't have to... Yeah, the linesman won't be out there marking <laughs> yeah. up, will he? That's a whole other conversation on all-weather pitches. Um, the Simpson Cup golf, which we went into quite a lot of depth last week I don't know if you saw the result Jules mm. but the US won that 13-5 remember it's a Ryder Cup style almost a mirror victory. yeah so um, quite a heavy defeat for the GB lads although I would say that given everything I'm trying to look on the bright side but given everything 
perhaps it was just a victory to have got there in the first place. Well, yeah, a lot of red tape for them to actually get to the United States. So, yes, when you're going into a major competition like that, feeling a little, I don't want to say anxiety, but just wondering what's going on, it's very difficult to switch automatically into, you know, the, the fairways straight yeah. away up uh, up against a team that's been well where are you come on we're supposed to be teeing off <laughs> yeah they and just the, the whole travel it's not it's not a short journey it's not an uncomplicated journey um so but the the next fixture will of course be back here in the uk so um i think the uk would back themselves like the us do on on home soil anything i've missed jules um i noticed that ches nihel Who's not an army boxer, but still involved with the army. Heavily He's involved. fighting again next weekend. Yeah, heavily involved with army boxing as one of the coaches down there. So, yes, it's... Oh, dear. Can you imagine? He turned professional just as everything happened with the pandemic. And he's been at home wondering when his next professional fight was going to be. Well, it's this weekend. So he's been working very hard to make sure that he's in amazing shape going into that. So hopefully Ches will get another belt. Sorry, not another belt. We'll get another win towards his his aim of, of, of challenging for the British belt. So we'll see. Keep an eye on Ches. And just to be clear, he can't, now he's gone professional, he can't fight for the army boxing team. But like you said, still heavily involved, still employed by the army. And that's why he's been coaching there yeah, as well. Yeah, soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still a soldier. But yes, because you've become part of the professional setup, you can't compete in the amateur tournaments that the army and military boxers go for. Now, just a reminder, you're listening to Forces Sport with me, Kath Brazier and Julian Evans, where we try to bring you the inside track on military sport and the personnel involved therein. We had another very frank guest this week in Liam Sanford. Liam's been with the England and GB setup for four years and was part of the GB men's hockey team who reached the quarterfinals at the Tokyo Olympics this summer. Despite some great results in a hard-fought campaign, they were eventually knocked out 3-1 by India. On his return, Liam was given six weeks off before starting a new job at RAF Bryce Norton, which is where Jules and I went to talk to him. Liam Sanford, welcome to Forces Sport. Um, what an exciting year you've had, but like the rest of it, it's been a bit uncertain for the last couple of years. But I think the first question we should go into is, um, what's it like coming back from an Olympic Games and, and finding your life again? Well, it's not um, even changed his clothes. I, <laughs> no, no. I wouldn't if I had that top, I love yeah. it. Um, yeah, it was, it was weird but nice at the same time. So obviously coming home, uh, obviously back to Fran and, and the new puppy was very exciting. Like, I'm quite, when I'm in a tournament, I would get very tournament mode. Um, and as soon as it's over, like I'm straight out of tournament mode. Um, so I think what we got knocked out on like Friday or something at what, 11 o'clock at night or something their time. By half 11, I was like, right, get me home now. Like, and obviously we, don't, we didn't come back till Sunday. So, so it's a bit annoying, but yeah, coming back was amazing. Obviously seeing Fran, obviously the dog went absolutely mental, which was literally all I wanted. That was all I wanted him to remember Because you did me. say before you went away, well, you were actually in Tokyo at that yeah. point, you said, I only care that the dog won't recognise me when yeah, I Yeah, yeah, so glad he, he recognised me. Um, and then, yeah, like obviously I think I had, I think total of six weeks off before obviously I came back here. So it was nice just to catch up with like, you know, family, friends, kind of just decompress from the whole year really um, of building up and then yeah coming back into work um, bit of a shock to the system um, obviously having to iron again for the first time in five years that was a bit weird um, 
getting up at 5.30, that was that was quite tough as well, not really used to that. But all in all, it's been good. Like the guys over in Ops have been really welcoming, um, really nice bunch of guys and girls. So yeah, happy. Because it was a 3-1 defeat to India in that quarter final. So did that reflect then your mood why you just wanted to get out of Tokyo and get back home? Yes and no. Um, so like, obviously when we, obviously everyone was obviously gutted after it. Um, obviously on the bus it was pretty quiet on the way back like no one really said anything people pretty much just had their headphones in and stuff um, but then once we got back went for food and basically just sat in a group um, had a couple of drinks with each other and that kind of lifted it a bit obviously doesn't completely get rid of that feeling but you can kind of park it for a bit um, and then obviously people have their own own way of dealing with disappointment um, I was I say quite quickly over it, quite quickly could like process it in my mind. Um, whereas other people may have taken longer, shorter. Um, but everyone kind of done the work with like, you know, the sites and stuff to obviously prepare for that um, potential. Um, so hopefully, obviously, I don't think anyone was ridiculously bad. Um, but yeah, I think it was it was a tough moment for everyone really is it difficult as well when you know if you you're a gb athlete and you come home from a games which was very successful for some gb athletes um and obviously that you know that i think the ladies got a bronze medal course, didn't yeah. they so is it difficult for you personally because you didn't go as far as you wanted in your, in your own sport but at some point do you kind of reflect and go well as a gb athlete i should be proud for getting where we got to and and for, for the bigger sort of picture that you represent, how long does that take to sort of be proud yeah. of the reflection? Don't really know how long it would take. Like, I think, like, obviously everyone, like, you're obviously really happy for everyone, like, whether they've, you know, done really well, obviously, like, with my first Olympics, like, it's obviously that's an achievement in itself. Like, obviously, the people that won, like, their medals, you have to just give them credit, like, obviously, you know, there's some people that might have been their first Olympics, might have been their third, maybe fourth, maybe fifth, you know. Like, and everyone puts in so much hard work in a four-year cycle, let alone a five-year cycle. So you just have to kind of go, right, fair play. Like, you obviously done everything you could have and on the day it's gone your way. Um, and for us, it, it didn't. Um, whether that's luck, we didn't play as well as we should have done, you know, that'll that will be dependent on who you probably speak to, in my opinion. I don't think we turned up in that game, really. Um, obviously, you know, the girl, girls getting a bronze, obviously, like, yeah, probably at first it's like, oh, for God's sake. But again, like, once that kind of goes again, it's like, well done. Like, you, you beat people that were in front of you to get where you got to, and all you can really do is say, like, well done, fair play. Like, there's no point in being bitter about it because you being bitter to, I don't know, Tom Daly who won gold with his partner, that doesn't help me winning a medal in hockey. So like, there's no point of being like that. You might as well just go, well done. Like, fair play, you deserve like, all the praise and all the credit because it's not like you've just sat around and done nothing for five years. Um, like, I remember I spoke to a swimmer and their program, Jesus. I wouldn't want to be doing what they were doing and stuff like that. So, and they probably look at hockey and go, I wouldn't want to do that. So, yeah, like for me, I don't think it really crossed my mind about other athletes in terms of, oh, I don't like you because you've got a gold or whatever. Um, 
it was probably more just I'd focus on hockey and be like, oh, that was a bit rubbish or, you know, that's a bit annoying or that sucks. Even some of the lads, they went down to the women's game. I think it, I think it was the next day. So, whereas others didn't because they were just like, can't be in the stadium right now or something, whereas, you know, other, other people were more than happy. And I think that that's just, it's very individual and I think we have to just respect that, you know, everyone's different. So. What defeat does hurt and defeat at a major tournament such as the Olympics, I can't imagine what your team were going through. But if we hark back to 1988, that <laughs> glorious moment when Barry Davis said, where are the Germans, quite frankly, who cares? Yeah. That success for GB back in Seoul in, in 1988, you weren't even alive. Has that been a bit of an albatross around the neck for, for teams that have followed? Have you always felt as if you were trying to live up to that success all those years ago? Personally, I'd say no. Uh, as an individual, um, obviously, you know, you commentators, media, they'll always compare to other teams. So, like, naturally, like, people probably look at us compared to Rio and like, oh, well, you've done better. So it's a success. But, yeah, OK, that is one success. But I don't, for me personally, I didn't go to Rio. I don't care where they came in Rio. I care about how this team did. And there was a genuine belief that in this team we could go and get a medal. So I think that's probably where a lot of the hurt come from in terms of there was a genuine belief within the squad. And the fact that we didn't do that because, we, in my opinion, we didn't turn up against India, that's what I think the real, where the real hurt is. In regards to the 1988, like obviously, you know, it's, it's a great achievement to win any medal or any major tournament, let alone a gold at the Olympics. But they don't happen all that often. Um, and I think as a nation, what well, I think we got one gold and maybe another medal, I can't remember. So that kind of says it, says it all. And, and trying to kind of break that, that trend is, you know, it's going to take a long time. And like, I think there is obviously a clear path that we are getting better, we are competing more with, you know, the top nations. So, you know, Paris, let's see what happens. And in terms of your love for the game, um, aside from, you know, being down after that result in Tokyo, do you still have that love for the game? It's, it, you see that as your future, you know, you haven't fallen out of love with hockey or No, definitely. Um, yeah, I absolutely still love the game. Um, like obviously club, um, like OGs, uh, it's great, it's great. It was great to go back. Like, I think if I went back straight away, probably would have hated it because, you know, everyone would just ask you about it and, you know, you haven't compressed it or, you know, processed it in your own mind. Um, so if people then start harping on about how was Toko, what happened, what was this, like, you'd just be like, leave me alone. Like, so I think the six weeks off was definitely needed um, and Husey, the coach, was really like, you know, happy with that and wasn't like pushy about me coming back at all. He was just like, come back when you're ready. Um, but no, like, love for the game hasn't gone. Like, really, really was really happy coming back to OGs, um, playing hockey. And obviously, Lee started now. We've we've had a strong start, and obviously, yeah, looking forward to getting back with the program in January when it kicks up again. Um, and building towards the next one. Look, one thing that us people who will never ever be Olympians want to know is what's it like in the village? This yes. time it was different, yeah. obviously because of COVID, but do you allow yourself the chance to you know, see which 
famous sports people are out there or are you literally stuck in those little bubbles? Um, I think, again, it's probably very individual. Um, I'd probably class myself as a bit of a hermit. <laughs> so, you know, like, I pretty, and Murray was there. So I remember when we had like the opening ceremony kind of outside the block, loads of people were flooding Murray, trying to get a photo. I feel a bit bad because I'm just like, you probably want to enjoy this moment and everyone's asking you for a photo. So I'm not really, I ne I'm never that person to go and ask someone for a photo because I'm like, everyone's trying to get a photo with you and I don't want to be that person. But obviously it's, it's cool. Like obviously you've grown up watching, you know, Djokovic, Murray, you know, there were some basketball players there if you watch basketball and other people. And obviously, you know, to hockey, which isn't the biggest sport in the world, it is obviously very like amazing seeing these people just walking about like, and you're like, I'm in the same village as you, yeah. like, what is going I'm on? I'm on your team. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like. And the accommodation itself, what's it, what's it like in your, in your rooms and, and you know, food-wise? And is it like mess life? Is it different to that? Um, rooms, it was actually really good because we were in apartments of, uh, I think we had a seven and then two eights. So actually it was really good in that respect because like you're kind of not just with the same person for what, like four weeks. Um, so, you know, you, like, I think we pretty much every night just played cards on the balcony and kind of just like, you know, had chats there, which was, which was really good, like way to like, I don't know, decompress from like training or a game that day or whatever. So that's really nice. The food was good, but obviously it gets a bit boring. Like, I'm pretty sure I just ate like the Chinese and Japanese section for four weeks. By the time I got home, I just fancy like a pizza or something <laughs> like that. So yeah, it, it was good, but obviously, you know, it can get a bit, oh, Gaiosas again, <laughs> so. And um, um, you got home and you say, you know, it was, a, it was a sort of six weeks off, which was nice from hockey and from life and from work. You came to Bryce Norton. Um, and also, I think, talking about your love still for hockey, you got to play RAF hockey in the yeah. services for the first time, I think it was two years, and that, that was, was a very successful, successful comeback for you. Yeah, I think it actually might be, Four, 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 four years since I played RAF hockey. Um, I think I was meant to play two years ago, but then I done my knee. Um, but yeah, I think the last time I played was actually when I was in trade training, and I think that started the winning trend. So I'll take that on the shoulder. Um, but no, yeah, it was it was very good to get back, um, especially like a lot of people obviously I haven't seen in a very long time, and also some new guys as well. Obviously coming into the team, like obviously it's been a while since I played, so. But it was also like nice to catch up with the army lads, uh, navy lads. Obviously, I played like I don't uh, combined services with and stuff like that. And then obviously got the masters there. So my dad came down. Uh, was part of them. So it's all in all just like a really good get together. And then obviously winning it was is always nice. You know, always want success. Um, but yeah, that that was really really nice to actually get back and finally play some rap hockey again. And what was it like to, um, as you, as a defender, to score that so solo goal as well? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen often. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, I'm Were still you shocked? Were you shocked? <laughs> <Yeah>. I was. <laughs> still waiting for my first GB goal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it was definitely a surprise. Did get my first OG's goal on the weekend. So, so obviously I'm going up in the world on goals. So hopefully the GB goal will come soon. If but. hockey did fantasy hockey, you'd be in the squad. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you, you um, come from a military family, yeah. but you know, your dad, I think 40 years in the Royal Air Force yeah. um, and your brothers in the services as well and, you, and your mum as well, all yeah. associated with the military. But where did the hockey connection come from? Uh, so that came from my dad. So my dad 
played, yeah, he played hockey. So when we lived out in Cyprus, me and my brother would basically like, we'd just run on at half time, like steal my dad's sticks, you know, as kids do, you go have a knockabout. Um, and then when we moved to England, basically they were just like, do you want to join a club? So we basically both joined. Fortunately, my, uh, my brother got my mum's side of sports, so not very good. <laughs> Um, and I obviously got my dad's. Your mum will love that. <laughs> ah, it's fine. Um, so yeah, so I was fortunate I got dad's side. Um, like dad done a whole host of different sports and he only re he only picked up hockey, I think like late twenties. Uh, so yeah, he played like RAF, played in services, uh, UCAF and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so I was quite lucky to get that side of the DNA. What is it that you enjoy so much about the game? It's a tough question really, all of it. Because I mean, look at the state of your fingers today. I know, that was actually from falling over. Oh, not, okay. So, not yeah. really not, doing not, anything. I thought, I thought that was hockey yeah. related. It was on the pitch. Right, I, right. It wasn't just yeah. walking down the street. It was um, Liam's GB coach, Danny Kerry, who, when I asked him about what sort of player you were and what yeah. you brought to the squad, and he said, well, he, he encapsulates that military put your body on the line, and he said that's what makes you such a good defender. So, you know, despite all your goals, I think he's quite <laughs> happy with you in, in defence. Um, so, yeah. you know, you, do you pride yourself on that and sort of that's your love for the game and your love for your teammates as well is, is shown in the way you play? Yeah, definitely. Um, like, I would say I'm probably a player that no one really likes me when I'm on the pitch, um, which is something I quite enjoy. Um, obviously, I'd like to say I'm quite a nice guy off the pitch, wait to be seen. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely like absolutely love defending, love a clean sheet, like love hitting people within the rules um that definitely is like attacking i'm a bit like i let other people do that um, it's a work in progress yeah work in progress in amongst the goals now <laughs> yeah. exactly hang on a minute yeah so so that's probably what i say i love most about the game and then obviously you got all the like, you know the team side of it and that's always been like a big part of like my life like me and my family we're we're just a team um, so yeah, so that kind of team ethos and you know the banter within a team, all of that stuff is a massive contribution to why I play hockey and why I love hockey really. You play at Old Georgians, fantastic club. It seems to be a nucleus of clubs in the London area. Is there much travelling involved in your league where you have to travel fixtures? Um, yes and no. Obviously the London clubs, like the close ones obviously Surbiton, um, Wimbo. Um, but if obviously you get like Beeston, Brooklands, Exeter, Holcomb, you're looking, yeah, you're travelling over so, to. So Adam, there is a bit of travelling involved. Yeah, we, we, which is good. I think obviously travel is annoying for everyone, but having like representatives in kind of like I say all parts, but you know north, west, south, like it, it is good for the game, um, especially at the high level. Because you don't kind of want everything in an, like you know in London. Because then it's like, well, then the North's not, you know, there's no competition up North if there's not a Prem club. Like, people can aspire to be like Brooklyn's who, you know, from being so far away from the programme have actually done so really well to, like, you know, maintain themselves in the Premier League. And then obviously the uni side's coming through. It's, it's you know, depending on who you ask, it's good or it's bad. Well, I think it's good, you know, you expose some people to... Prem hockey, which you know they might not achieve if they went to you know Surbiton. So 
So I think it's all good. Obviously, you know, travelling is a bit annoying for everyone. But And do these clubs host you after a match? I mean, do you unwind with, you know, perhaps, I don't know, a drink or something or the yeah. standard fare, which tends to be chilly? Uh, it tends to be the meal. You get to share something with the, with the opposition afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So the, everyone always puts on like food afterwards and, you know, like everyone either has a beer or a Coke or whatever and you just chill as a team. Um, we, whether it's half an hour, hour, whatever, it's obviously just nice to kind of decompress after a game because, as you probably know, you know, there's arguments within the game, you know, you, so you, but as long as everyone knows that right that's left on the pitch or if something does need to be spoken about it's like it's not carried over or after the game then it's nice to kind of chill out afterwards. I was gonna say it's those moments perhaps that when we talk to elite sportsmen that they're most treasured it's those moments after the match in the clubhouse making those friendships with your teammates and the opposition as well that last you long after you've retired do you find that are you building lots of sort of friendships through hockey? Yeah, 100%. Um, like I think kind of mine and Fran's, like our basically social circle is just people we, we've met through hockey. Um, and I think that that's, that's natural for like, if you probably ask most hockey people, the friendship circles are probably hockey because it is such a massive part of your life. Like what you train Tuesday, Thursday, if you, so I coach OGs too, so I go down to the club on Saturday and Sunday. So I'm there like dedicated. Yeah, like, so I'm there for for like you know four days a week. Like so naturally, like your main kind of social circle is is within hockey, and I think you know you're always meeting new people here, there, whatever club you go to, and it's always nice to you know have a different conversation with someone that actually you know might see things differently to you or just you know someone that's played hockey for 40 years and actually telling you what hockey used to be like when they played on grass or something like that like all those stories are really nice to hear in such a nice conversation and obviously after a game it's the perfect time to have them well look Kath said you you know you just competed and won the inter-services what was it like this year's inter-services are you always impressed with the standard of play that's there yeah definitely um like I remember when I went to my first inters and basically everyone in the team said it, this is completely different to anything you ever played. And I was like, kind of thinking like, what are you on about? Like, it's just a game of hockey. Played it, yeah, very different. Um, for whatever reason, you get like a five minute spell of where like both teams will play nice hockey. And then you get a five minute spell where both teams are like headless chickens just running after a hockey ball. Um, yeah, it's very different to normal hockey, but it's very good at the same time. Um, so it's always fun to play in, um, I've always enjoyed, I say always enjoyed the two that I've been to, it's always been enjoyable to play in it, um, mainly because obviously you know, I get to play hockey and obviously catch up with a lot of people that I, you know, I see very rarely, um, but the standard is generally always pretty good, like even, like I think this year obviously we were missing a fair few because of you know, injuries or people away, I'm pretty sure that's always the same for the Army and the Navy as well. But we always seem to get, you know, good games, um, like good systems in place. So did you feel a marked man because of your achievements yeah. in Tokyo and you know, being GB? Did you feel like the standout player and the one that people are going to come, <laughs> come to? double marked? Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I, I, it, it, I just saw it as like kind of a, a good thing for my team, though, if, if they did want to do that, because then it's like, well, there's space somewhere else. So if you want to mark me that that's fine mark me um like you're just out of the game i'll just run you around and that's fine 
Um, and I, like, I think that that's the, well, especially with the RAF team anyway, like we have such good quality in the RAF, whether you mark me or used to be like, you know, Sio Goddard's out of the game, like we have good enough players in other positions that actually we just play to that space that you've left open because you're man marking that person and then we just play that way. Um, and then they probably quickly learn, right, we can't man mark one person out of the game. So, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's good in that respect because like the RAF team has been so strong for the last six years now um, and it looks like it's not going to dwindle anytime soon. So. And what has life been like back in the RAF? Because it's been a while <laughs> since you've actually done a job. Um, having been on the you know elite um, elite sports scheme, you know being a new posting at Bryce, you've moved. Um, you know you're actually coming in in a uniform every day. Doing mean? your trade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remind us what the trade is. Uh, yeah. So I'm in station ops here. Um, yeah, definitely different to what I was doing. Um, but it's it's been good. Like the welcome that you know the guys and girls over there uh, gave me was really nice. Um, like felt that I that, uh, like fitted in really quite seamlessly and, and easy, which which is always nice. You don't want to kind of come in and like everyone hates you because you haven't worked for like the last five years or something. <laughs> um, so that that's all been really good. Like you know the banter and all of that's been flowing as you, as you'd kind of expect in a workplace. But obviously, there's been a few things that bit of a shock to the system uh, getting up early that's pretty much killed me um, ironing to be fair after about the first week it was it was fine you know you kind of just got back into the rhythm of it um, but no other than that it's, it's been good to kind of be back and actually experience it again um, remember what you know kind of normal life it is really well especially for me prior to kind of playing hockey yeah. Um, and obviously it gives me perspective on obviously, you know, potential after hockey, you know, what, you know, what I would like to do or what potentially I would do or could do, um, what different routes there are for my trade in the RAF. So well, you're, you're a great ambassador for Royal Air Force Sport and you're going to have to ask them again if you can have their permission for you to be involved in Birmingham. So that's the Commonwealth Games for, yeah. for, for England this time. So, yeah. you know, your thoughts ahead of that campaign? Yeah, so, yeah, so obviously, obviously Tokyo ended and then kind of um, basically spoke to the sports board and kind of, you know, they communicate with Bryce to basically set up an arrangement of, right, he needs this time off to kind of decompress and stuff. So obviously that set my start date here. Um, and then, yeah, so basically kind of going through the process now of basically applying to get back on the elite athlete scheme. Um, obviously, GB are going through their trial stuff now with like their talent confirmation stuff and the programme kicks back up in January. Um, so the, obviously the plan for, obviously my plan, obviously is to come back, you know, back into the programme in January and obviously start building towards the commies as England and then obviously beyond that to the World Cup, which I think is, is next uh, winter, I think, because I think it's in India who's again. Ha who's hosting the World Cup this time? India again, I think. Is it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's their national sport, isn't it? Well, yeah. And like, I don't mind India, like the crowds you get out there, are, like it's always a very good experience playing out there. You're, you're 28 now, aren't you? So, is it 28? No. 25. Sorry, you're 25. You're 25 now. So, in terms of your you know, your years in the sport, you've got ages yeah. in front of you, especially your position as well. Yeah. I'm guessing defence. You perhaps don't run around quite as much as everyone else. Definitely don't run around. Apart from the keeper, who does 
very little. Well, don't, don't tell George that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully, like, obviously, injury and, you know, everything goes well. Obviously, want to do the next one and the one after that. Um, so, obviously, Paris and LA. So, that would kind of be my plan. That would, that would get me to 32, um, which I think is, you know, it's kind of quite a good time to retire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, obviously, you know, that's obviously years down the line. Obviously, RAF, GB, that come into play. All I'm kind of really focusing on now is, is you know, the, getting onto the next cycle and, you know, trying to do as well as we can in, in that kind of cycle. So, Well, as I say, a fantastic ambassador for RAF Sport. The RAF Sports Awards are coming up. Is that a, something that you'll be involved in this time around? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely try and be there. Um, I, I always do. Again, it's a get together with people. Um, it's always nice hearing other people's achievements. You know what they what they've done. Um, obviously, you can get quite focused on your sport um, and kind of forget that every load of other people do stuff. Um, so obviously, it's always nice to go and you know listen to people's stories, like what they've had to hurdles they've had to come over. Like everyone's got different hurdles they've had to overcome to get where they are, and it's always impressive to hear different people's stories and the hurdles they've overcome and that and stuff like that so yeah hopefully I'll be there um, and get even if I just get to listen to other people that'll that's always you know it's always a good thing are you a pre have you a previous winner of that yeah, yeah so, so I think UCAF yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that was the year I went to commies I won the RAF and the UCAF one yeah um, so I don't think they award them again if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. you not win it, not sure not win it again? No, I don't think... Well, I don't know. <laughs> might is, be able to. Is that why you cost your team Olympic gold then? <laughs> <right>? Yeah. <laughs> the England, couldn't get their Irish sports award. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't mind though. Like, I've, I've had the privilege, the honour of receiving that award. Um, and I think it's quite nice that other people get, get that opportunity. Like, it's... I, well... It's quite easy just to give it to someone that's probably been to an Olympics because there's not many people that go to an Olympics. Whereas, yeah, fine, I've done what I've done, but there's loads of people within, within the RAF that have done other things, whether it be unknown fencing, archery, whatever sport they have, that also have incredible stories that there are to listen to, and, and they deserve that honour and privilege to achieve that award as well. Yeah, so. I think you were the last service ho hockey player to make it to an Olympic Games since Guy Fordham from. Yeah. from the army a long time 2000 I think it yeah. was so, you know if there was a young up-and-coming service athlete what do they have to do if they were to sort of emulate you and, and follow in your footsteps and make it to the Olympics don't give up um, if you've got a dream go for it like you're gonna face hurdles like you know I've done the, I've done both knees um, there was a period probably within the cycle where I wasn't enjoying hockey and wasn't playing very well um, didn't really want to be there and you know that that wasn't good but you're always going to get things like that there's always whatever it might be you know home life you might fall out with a coach or something just don't give up on it like, how did you shake yourself out of that mindset where you say you didn't want to be there you weren't in love with hockey how did you get back in love with hockey I think it's just it's just being honest like you've obviously you've always got people to talk to whether it be you know your partner um, your coach um, obviously if you're if you're playing to that level of sport you've, you've probably got a psychologist as well um, like so I, I just had a chat with Danny and, and you know it was a very open and honest chat and and we kind of you know came got to the bottom of it with the psychologist and 
gave me a little bit like you know a week week or two off um well actually no i think mine fell over christmas so you know quite fortunate in that respect that i got what two three weeks off where i could completely just forget about hockey you know just spend time with my family and friends and and then came back in December and I was enjoying it again and I think like a lot of it is just down to your own mindset um, like I think the time I wasn't really enjoying it was pretty much just after I think it was the first lockdown and basically I was just really enjoying being at home because I just wasn't doing anything and basically just became lazy and it's just kind of like basically shaking yourself out of the routine you had for that period of time and kind of getting back into a new one um, but I had lots of conversations with you, like Fran, uh, my psychologist, and eventually it kind of just went, um, and then I just started enjoying hockey again. So yeah, so having conversations with people, whether they be within your sport or not in your sport, or, you know, they might not even play sport, actually really helps. Um, whether that to be, you know, get something off your chest, um, or have a chat about hockey with someone or, or whatever sport you play, is so helpful because like if what I've learned about myself is I very much I normally keep stuff in and then eventually it'll just like my psychologist calls it like um, like boil boil bang or something like that and that's generally what I do is I just like, I'm like a bottle I fill it up yeah. with all this stuff and then eventually I'll just bang and, and it's just not good for me whereas now I've learned actually right if something's on my mind talk about it because as soon as I talk about it it's off my mind and like it kind of just resets me um, so they'd be the kind of main two things I'd say um, and at the end of the day if you make it you make it if, if you don't like you've still got so many memories and so much stuff to be proud of and remember those things don't just focus on that end goal because if you don't make it then you'll think you're a failure whereas actually you're not well, success is a journey, isn't it? Not a destination. That's what exactly. That's what the wise ones say. Yeah, you have to enjoy that journey. Yes, do. exactly. Well, Liam, I mean, a really good way to finish, and I think that's advice that any young sports person, whether they're military or civilian, can can take heed of. A real pleasure to speak to you. I'm so glad you came in your Olympic kit. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. We Thanks were proud. We'd be proud, medal or no, just just to get there, just to be a, a GB Olympian, and to to represent is incredible. From our mere minion status here as a <laughs> sports reporters fans um it's been a pleasure we look forward to seeing what the next four years hold and um the rest of your career and um thanks again for being on forces sport thanks for having me thank you such a good representative for the royal air force and only 25 you aged him by three years i think it was jules but it's it's not hard to do because i sometimes feel that the guys and girls who are at that level of elite sport, it almost ages them anyway because they are dealing with such pressure and stress and such high quality sport at such a young age that it's not surprising that he seems like a, a 30 year old in a 25 year old's body. I didn't age him that much. I, I, <laughs> 28, I, I, 28, I think. 28, I think I said it was. Yeah. And I think that was partly down to the fact that we we're on a, a windswept runway, not quite on the runway, but at Bryce Norton. He said he wasn't cold. He looked cold. And it was only when the polar bear offered him a TOG 14 <laughs> duvet that he warmed up. It was a bitter cold day. But yes, he did have that life experience expression going on. So, yeah, it's my fault I aged him. But, yeah. but you pointed it out when we spoke to Rocco and Josh at Bath, who relatively is still pretty young um and yet they had that life experience not only of playing elite rugby but also you know their military experience as well well we both had a chat with danny kerry danny kerry is the head coach of the 
GB hockey team, but I spoke to him years ago before he was, and he'd already earmarked Liam Sanford right. out as a player. He'd, he'd seen him play for England, but said, yeah, this lad is a GB player. I want him and I, I want him to be on that Olympic pathway and this was going back several years ago so and and that was something that you spoke to Danny Kerry about as well so he's always been one that had been highlighted as as a future Olympian and he's achieved it but he wants more because yeah. you know dipping out in the quarterfinals is not where anybody wants to be they they want to achieve podium success and his next push really is and I didn't realize that he has to reapply for the RAF Elite um, Athlete Scheme, which is a great scheme, but given that he's done his four-year block Olympic sort of turnaround, five years in the end, but um, he now has to reapply to to get that backing from the RAF to continue, and he wants to be back on the GB programme January because they've got the Commonwealth Games next year. Well, that'll be for England, won't it? But yes, I'm, he's a terrific ambassador for the Royal Air Force, and to have an elite sportsman in the Royal Air Force, whatever the sport, is fantastic. But one that will be in the public eye, particularly next year with a home Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, it would be great if that tie-in between Liam and the RAF can happen. So fingers crossed. Another young British sportsman who's done us proud this weekend is Cam Norrie. Uh, 26 and he won what they call they're calling it the fifth major um just because it's such a prestigious tournament to win that's indian wells and he fought back from one set down to win the first britain to do so means he's number british number one and 16 in the world brilliant achievement he was wasn't he one set and a breakdown as well to come back yeah. to win that but did you see that in the build-up somebody stole his trainers as well he didn't he went on with a different pair of, well he went on with the wrong trainers he so could, he hasn't found them there's something ha- going on in if the we have spot. any casting agents listening <laughs> i think that at the other end of this table kath brazier could be the next miss marple i think we need you to go out and find why people are stealing our elite tennis players trainers because you've got a little bit of miss marple about you it's that sort of journalism investigative person and I also think that perhaps the fact that you're quite old and also smell of Werther's originals you are a pardon the pun shoo-in to be the next Miss Marple and find out what's going on with those trainers you're filling me with compliments and um, such good feeling this Monday morning thank you so much my pleasure my pleasure football I mean two managers whose job's probably at risk one definitely going Steve Bruce and one maybe going Oli Gunnar Solskjaer as well I think it'll be hard for Steve Bruce to remain in place long term I'm sure he'll just have to see out a little bit longer whilst the new owners who probably are nearly as wealthy as Anton Deck who are in the crowd at the <laughs> yeah, weekend right in front of them exactly um, it'll be it'll be hard for him to stay because they'll have their own idea of where they want to take Newcastle Football Club I mean I remember when Newcastle were challenging for the premiership title they finished second back in the day um, but I, I just wondered when they had David Schinella, um Philippe Albert in defence uh, Fastino Aspria up front will it be easy for Newcastle with everything that's going on at the moment to attract star names to Newcastle I I mean you, you did your education up in that part of the world I thought that Newcastle is, is a great city but it's harder if you're trying to bring family and, and fr- friends into that part of the world it's not quite the bright lights of of other cities. It, it always seems so early. We're in October. It always seems so early to be talking about relegation, but I suppose that's always on the players' minds. And the other one you were, I think, referring to was Uli Gunnar Solskjaer because they suffered a defeat at the weekend. Um, but if, if Man United beat Liverpool at the weekend, then it's all forgiven, isn't it? Well, that's it? the thing. They've still got the bigger bigger games to come yeah. up. They've still got to play Chelsea. They've still got to play Man City. So I think, I think he'll be all right for a time being. Possibly. I mean, we, it's easy to forget, sitting at fifth, that he came second and third in previous years 
which <laughs> considering if you compare him to other premiership managers, he's not doing that bad. Well, they've stuttered slightly, but we're only eight games in. Cricket, Jules. Um, the IST20 is underway, given that it's, it's qualifying week this week. Um, an amazing win for Scotland against sixth in the world, Bangladesh. Um, but England don't get that campaign underway until this weekend. How wonderful for Scotland to see off, as you say, Bangladesh. That's a terrific performance. So hopefully that gives them plenty of confidence to go forward. And then, as you say, yeah, England don't get started until the weekend. Is it the West Indies? The West Indies, correct. But probably won't be any saluting going on. <laughs> seeing as uh, yeah. Stokes is not involved Stokes is not involved and of course you know, the memories of Stokes being involved in, in the last time we were involved in the final was um, Carlos Braithwaite's breathtaking final over wasn't it which just took it away from England what a player what a player um, have you been watching any of the American football now it's been in I London I didn't I watched it last week had it on in the background sorry didn't really this weekend no I mean, two very close matches. Yeah, you know, given that I, I'm you, I suppose I'm used to seeing bigger scores. But Who um, they it? Dolphins? Quite... Did they win? No, the Jacksonville Jaguars ended Ish. a twenty-game losing streak. Well, well, well done, the Jaguars. Absolutely, but great to have that in um, in London again. Um, and finally, I, I painfully want to talk about rugby union, but Quinn's loss this weekend and an absolute hammering for Bath. Yeah, That's Josh McNally, our RAF go-to man didn't have the great day in the office but he was up against Maro Otoji mm-hmm. and the unfortunate thing was I remember when Josh was saying that he, he still hasn't given up hopes of a England recall if you can have an England recall after just, after just one cut but Eddie Jones was in the crowd so yes. Yes. Uh, not Bath's finest day before we move away from civilian sport mm-hmm. can I just say well done to Great Britain who won the Speedway World Championship at the weekend ending a 32 year drought amazing yeah i know yeah they beat poland and po- and in poland speedway is the national sport bigger than football i know it's, speedway is probably our sport because all people do is just go around in circles <laughs> which is i feel what we kind of do but well done to gb so top of the pile gb then poland then denmark so have you ever been i went years ago as a kid i haven't been fantastic no. that you talk about formula one and, and feeling the roar of the cars going past but with these bikes you really feel it maybe because i was just a youngster but you really feel it in your chest as these bikes just hurtle around the track i shall put it on the list jules now um i don't know what's in your diary this week um i just want to let our audience know about the live football we've got planned and that's as we mentioned earlier uk armed forces men against the irish defense forces that's this wednesday at 12 noon and you can see it on the forces news facebook page um it's a bit of a grudge match. It, I think it's the fifth meeting between these sides. But first under UCAF new coach um, Diffin Pierce, the Irish won the first two in Kilkenny and at St George's Park in 2017. That was a 4-1 thrashing. UCAF then pulled themselves together and won two years on the bounce in Barry in 2018 and the return fixture in Dublin where UCAF took the win 2-1. And I say grudge match because the Irish Defence Forces felt they should have won that home match in Dublin so they are raring to go and they they do rate themselves because they come from such a small army and they would argue that given that we have so many more personnel to choose from that we should be the stronger team but they they definitely um fight the fight we'll see what happens yeah absolutely and you can get in touch you can watch that on our forces news facebook page or please get in touch at forces sport at bfbs.com john knighton on commentary yep john knighton on commentary with yvette kemp um, who has becoming a bit of a regular on our on our football commentary? So that'd be worth a listen. Of course, you can see more on Liam on all of our sports 
people around the world at forces.net and plenty more podcasts at bfbs.com slash podcast or on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Do get in touch with us. I repeat, you can email us at forcesport at bfbs.com. It would be great to hear from you and please do join us for the live football this week. But for now, that's all from me and Jules unless the man has something to say. Nothing from me. Until next week.